Hello, what have we here? Welcome to IDP Nation, the place for IDP and draft coverage. We are your hosts, Dan and Daryl. We have you covered from your LB One Year Taxi Squad. We are IDP Nation. And welcome to IDP Nation. I am your host, Daryl Winstead. Uh, and I am riding shotgun tonight and riding solo as Dan is still on hiatus. Um, hopefully he'll be back soon. Uh, work has kind of been so busy for him. He's just needed a break. And, and with all the online learning and teaching he's been doing, so he just needed a little break. But he'll be back soon. So you're stuck with me for now. Um, we'd like to apologize because this break come at a uh, – unfortunate time when a lot of things was happening the trade deadline and and we're in the middle of the season and what have you but we're besides the hiatus and some work issues i had and then some technical difficulties we're back and uh, i'll be doing it solo till dan returns maybe next week or whenever he's ready to come back but for now you're stuck with me so not all's lost plus i can do what i want because dan ain't here to tell me no i mean no one can tell me what not to do it's kind of great. So um, we'll go ahead and get started. Uh, lots to catch up on. Um, it's been, like I said, it's been a little while since we recorded. So um, lots of stuff has happened uh, and going on. So I'll kind of skim through some of the bigger parts and uh, get us started here tonight. Uh, one thing that happened was the trade deadline while we were gone. Um few moving pieces. The Bengals traded uh, defensive end Carlos Dunlap to the Seahawks for offensive lineman B.J. Finney in a seventh-round pick. Pretty good deal, I think, for Seattle. Um, they definitely needed pass rushing help, so I'm not sure why Dunlap fell out of favor in Cincinnati. Um, but one man's trash is another man's treasure, and I think for Seattle that's going to work out really well till they can get – some of these other guys back, like Daryl Taylor, the rookie, who's been hurt that they've been missing. Uh, you know, they've just not had those pass rushers up front. Clowney's gone, so they've definitely been needing some help there, and I, and I believe he's the guy to help at least get them some of that help till they can get some other pieces in there. Um, the Cowboys traded Everson Griffin away to the Lions for a 2021 sixth. It's a conditional pick. Um, I think the writing was kind of on the wall with the Cowboys when Alden Smith come back and did so well. And now Randy, Randy Gregory come back and he's playing well. I kind of think it just kind of sealed his fate because they're a lot, well, Gregory's a lot younger, you know, and they're a lot fresher because both of those have been out of the league for a long time. So uh, Griffin's still a good piece. I think he can give the line some veteran leadership up there on that defensive line, help them out. And then, like I said, they didn't give up a whole lot for him, a sixth-round pick. I mean, it's worth a shot. I mean, if you can get an, uh, a very good top-end pass rusher uh, for that kind of price, I think you do it. Uh, so that made sense. Um, 
We saw um, who else did we see? Oh, we saw uh, Desmond King get traded from the uh, Chargers over to my Titans. Very much needed. Um, <laughs> Tennessee's secondary was horrible outside of their safeties. You know, you get past uh, Kevin Byard and Kenny Vaccaro and uh, Amani Hooker back there playing safeties. They just had nothing. You know, Christian Fulton's been hurt, and he's kind of been up and down. They played Chris Jackson, who's learning on the fly as a rookie. Um, had some good moments, but they have just been picked on. And then John and Joseph, of course, was just getting roasted each week. And um, it was to the point to where I was just like, you know what, don't even put this kid out here or put this guy out here. Put one of the new kids out there. I'll take my chances with a rookie learning the position and getting burnt over somebody who just can't do it no more. Joseph just can't play corner in this league no more. He doesn't have it. And I think that's why Tennessee made the move and it paid off for him. His first game, he uh, picked up a fumble and returned it for a touchdown. Uh, so he, the big play is there. Plus he helps them with the uh, kick and punt return. So that's good for them. Um, just, uh, Oh, Yannick Ngakwe, another one. We saw him earlier this season get traded to uh, Minnesota. We thought all thought that was going to be the big shebang up there with uh, Daniil Hunter. Of course, Daniil Hunter's out. I still liked Ngakwe up there. Thought he could be the uh, hold the fort down for him until they could get Hunter back. Unfortunately, Hunter's going to be out for the season, looks like. Um, and then they just turn around and trade him to Baltimore, which – I thought was huge for Baltimore, uh, kind of reunites him with uh, uh, Calais Campbell and crew, making that defense, you know, strong up in, in front of those linebackers of uh, Judon and uh, Malik Harrison and, of course, Patrick Queen, the super rookie. But, yeah, I like that for them. But uh, not sure. It's not a good sign that you're getting traded twice in the same season before week 10. You know, he got traded just before the season started to Minnesota and then Minnesota flips him to – Baltimore. Um, of all these trades, it looks like the team that's getting the player uh, I think the Lions win with getting Griffin, Tennessee winning with getting King, Baltimore winning with um, getting Ngakwe uh, and, they, and they've had to give up very little to get these so it's not like they're breaking the bank or overpaying for these players. Um, they're getting pieces that they think can help them win now, uh, especially Tennessee and Baltimore because they're playoff teams right now. Um, so that's good for them, and they're fixing a big need. So like that, there was uh, also some unfortunate news. Um, you know, the Rams lost safety Terrell Burgess for the season with a broken ankle. Uh, the Washington football team lost safety Landon Collins with a torn ACL. That just broke my heart. He was playing really well for them, uh, especially behind that defensive line. So – Hopefully he can get healed up and come back next year. Um, another one that, you know, the Falcons uh, let go of Tack McKinley, uh, who was then picked up by Cincinnati. To, I, in my opinion, they picked him up to replace Carlos Dunlap. And then I learned uh, just today or yesterday one that they have released him. So, uh, again, when you're let go by two teams in less than – uh, 10 weeks or so, and in McKinley's case, less than a few weeks, uh, probably three or four weeks. He's cut by the Falcons and now by Cincinnati. That's not a good sign. Uh, speaking of cut, Tennessee cut um, oh, Vic Beasley. 
And if you've listened to our show, I have long been a non-advocate of Vic Beasley. He's just, he's had that one big year and parlayed it into something a little bit. Um, He's just not what everybody thinks they can or thinks he can be. Uh, You know, they want to take a chance on him and bring him in for a year like Tennessee did, one year, nine million. And we basically threw that nine million away because he did absolutely nothing. He didn't report to camp. He was late. Nobody had seen him for a while. Um, I heard rumors from former coaches that he just doesn't like the game of football. And if you don't like the game of football, why play it? You know, if you're just in it to catch a few bucks, go do something else. Don't waste. Don't waste our time. Um, so uh, he's out. Um, it's been exciting. I mean, there's been some cuts and stuff like that, smaller names, but uh, uh, we're rolling right along in the NFC. You know, a lot of people were wondering if we would get this far. Uh, I know some of the fantasy leagues were kind of setting the over-under on whether to call it a complete season. I think my fantasy league decided that, you know, if we make it through week seven, then we would call it a complete season going forward, you know, if it cuts off after that. And luckily here we are at week 11 now. So I feel confident that the season's going to continue. We're going to have some hiccups. We're going to have some maybe some cancellations or maybe some move dates or games, maybe an extended week or two. I don't know, but I do see the season happening. And that's good. That's what we want as fans and as fantasy managers and all that. Um, Been some interesting – um, seasons from a few teams this year. Um, sorry, I couldn't get the words out there. Um, looking at some of the standings real quick, um, AFC East Buffalo leading the way at seven and three with Miami right on their heels at six and three. You got uh, New England at four and five, and then the Jets are just absolutely horrible at 0-9, and, and speaking of the Jets, they've traded away a few of their pieces. <clears throat> you know, they traded away the cut Pierre uh, Desin. Uh, they traded away Avery Williamson. Uh, they traded him to Pittsburgh, um, which I thought was a really good get for Pittsburgh with Devin Bush being out, but they're still running with Spillane. So uh, we'll have to see where Williamson comes in, but I like that for them. Um <clears throat> You know, they've just been decimated by injuries, and they don't have a whole lot of talent to begin with. You know, they lost Sam Darnold for a few weeks, had to rely on Joe Flacco. And that's really a telltale sign of how your season's going. If if you're nine, ten games into the season and you're having to turn to Joe Flacco to be your starter, um, it's just not good. They do have a few pieces they can build around, though, so we'll see. Surely they'll have a new coach next year, but – We'll see how that shakes out and what they do with all this. Um, try to pick up the pace here a little. AFC North, really surprising. Pittsburgh, 9-0, and undefeated. They keep on winning. Um, and they've beat my Titans. Uh, you know, they're you know they're 5-0 at home, 4-0 on the road, 3-0 in their division, 6-0 in the conference. So, you know, it's going to take some – Mess ups, you know, it's going to take a couple mess ups for them to fall out of that top spot. Uh, but they are just powering through, uh, you know, pretty much just beating everybody. But they have a 
they have a ton, uh, have a matchup this week against Jacksonville, so they should take care of them. Although Jacksonville give uh, <laughs> Green Bay a fight last week or last Sunday, so who knows? But uh, Pittsburgh should roll pretty handedly. I don't see no reason why they shouldn't. Uh, Baltimore sits behind them at six and three. Cleveland six and three also, and then Cincinnati at two six and one. Um, I expected Baltimore to be better than what their record is right now. Uh, Cleveland, I'm kind of surprised. I kind of had Cleveland in that, you know, after nine games, five and four, four and five range, you know, five and four at best. But here they are at six and three. They're doing what they need to do. Um, Baltimore plays the Titans this week. That will be one of the better, uh, bigger games this weekend because that's uh, – you know, that could have some big implications as far as seeding uh, in the AFC side because right now you've got one, two, three, four, five, six teams at six and three. Now, one of them is Indianapolis and Tennessee. One of those are likely your division winners. So the other one will be one of the wild cards. But uh, very interesting. It's a tight race. And then you have, uh, you know, you've got a couple teams eh, – that can still make it need a little help, but I think those are, it's kind of panning out uh, that way. Um, speaking of AFC South, my Titans have just, uh, I don't know what they're doing right now. It's kind of disappointing. Started out so well and they've kind of, the wheels has kind of fell off for them. They're at six and three. They're tied with Indianapolis, but Indy has the tiebreaker because of the head to head. So Indy's got the division lead. Houston's two and seven. They're horrible. Jackson's one and eight, and they're even worse than horrible. Um, but they're no threat. You know, they've, they're lacking talent as well, both of those teams. So, And then you have the AFC West, Kansas City, eight and one. The Raiders are six and three. Denver, three and six. Chargers, two and seven. Kansas City is many considered the best team in the AFC. Um, right now, Pittsburgh would beg to differ at 9-0, and and rightfully so. Um, but those two look like the front runners for sure. Buffalo can come in there and make the case. Um, I think they're kind of solidifying that number three position. And then you're going to have Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, Tennessee, and Las Vegas. You're going to have those six teams. Um fighting for the other, what, five spots, I believe it is. I think we're going to eight teams, whatever it is. But <clears throat> they're all at six and three, so they're kind of jumbled up there. Maybe the next few weeks it'll begin to thin out. Uh, quickly to the NFC. <laughs> the NFC East. This is, this is horrible. There's gonna, they're going to win with a – somebody's going to win that division with a losing record. And it's not going to be no <laughs> – Piddly seven and nine. I can see a six and ten or five and eleven at this point, even getting it done. These four teams are just horrible. Somehow Philadelphia still maintains control, mostly because of the tie they had with Cincinnati. That so they're just percentage points ahead of New York uh, at three and seven. Washington, Dallas are two and seven. Both of those teams are just horrible. They need a lot more. Dallas just needs their quarterback back. I think that would help them more than anything. But Washington just needs a lot of help. But it is what it is. You're 2-7. and seven, You're tied with each other. So 
Uh, Green Bay in the NFC North, seven and two. Chicago five and five. Minnesota four and five. Detroit five four and five. Green Bay's looking like Green Bay. I'm not totally impressed with them, but they have the offensive firepower to um, to make some noise. In the NFC South, it's New Orleans, Tampa, Atlanta, and Carolina. New Orleans looks like the best team in the NFC at seven and two. Tampa Bay. I really like them. They just need to be consistent and put this together. They have a good defense. They have a good offense. Now they just need to work together, put these uh, pieces, get these pieces consistently moving, and they could be the best team in the NFC. Um, Atlanta, Carolina, they both needed some help. They're out of it. Uh, Arizona six and three. The Rams are six and three. Seattle six and three. It's a who's who. It's a crapshoot between those three teams. You really can't count out San Francisco at four and six, um, but they're behind the eight ball without Garoppolo. So uh, a lot of similarities between those teams. You know, Seattle's bugaboo is going to be their defense. Uh, Los Angeles, I think it's just the inconsistency is what I'm seeing. I mean, one week they score a lot of points, one week they don't. Uh, you know, they've got to – Pretty good defense, but they're missing some pieces. They get somebody hurt. So, and then Arizona's just, you know, their last second win last week on a Hail Mary to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, all three of these teams can be inconsistent at the time. You know, if Arizona looks like the front runner, looks like they have just a little bit better defense than everybody else overall in that division. And if they can play that way, and continue to score some points, they just might win that division. So it'll be interesting to see some of these races, um, you know, how it pans out. Um, I think this week will tell a lot as far as, like, Tennessee and Baltimore will shake out some stuff. You've got some other games going on that'll be a big factor. So uh, it'll just be interesting to see how everything shakes loose over the next few weeks as we – Again, the position for these playoffs teams are getting ready and getting set, you know, who they need and all this. But, uh, you know, we're in week 11 now, so you got – we're just past the halfway point. Uh, A lot of football left to play. Um, So we will see how that goes. Um, Didn't really have a whole lot planned tonight. Wanted to get an episode out for you guys. Um, you know, we kind of feel like we've, uh, been underperforming, uh, by not being able to, uh, be on air and get the content out to you guys like we normally do each week. And, um, like I said, we apologize for that. We're, we've got things figured out now. So, uh, hopefully it'll, this won't happen again if me or Dan needs to, uh, take off again or if he's out for a little longer um this shouldn't be a problem now that i'm set up here and uh halfway know (laughs) what i've got going on uh but yeah this shouldn't shouldn't happen again um so with that said i thought maybe i would look at some of the leaders at this point of the season like i said we're through week 10 um kind of just getting everything together. I didn't have a whole lot of time to put a whole lot into it, but I had some ideas, so I want to touch on those while I can. Um, 
tackles. You know, we'll, we'll go there. Roquan looked awesome the other night on Monday night. Uh, one of the few bright spots for the Bears. He's, uh, you know, you look, you got, when it comes to tackles, you got three different categories, really. You got total tackles, um, solo tackles, and then assisted tackles. We don't care too much about assist. I mean, they are point scores. Um, but most of your points come in the solo tackles and then the combined tackles. And so we're back to Roquan Smith again. He is tied for the league lead with my guy, Blake Martinez. Both of them are leading the way at 96 tackles apiece. Uh, Roquan also leads the league in solos with 70. Martinez is uh, sixth with 56. So, um, you know, those two are just gobbling up anything and everything that comes their way right now for their teams. Um and are leading the way in tackles. I mean, 96 through, what, 10 games, that's 9.6. So you're probably looking at nine games, really. I think both of them has been a buy. So they're just a smidge over 10 per game. You know, that's going to put you on a pace for 162, which is huge numbers. That's that's league-leading numbers. So you can see why they're there. Um, and then Roquan, you know, first in total tackles, second, first in uh, solos, but he's also first in t- TFLs. He has 15 tackles for a loss on the season to lead the way. Um, this has been by far his best season to date. And uh, I saw it, the question asked yesterday with the way he's playing, um, is Roquan Smith LB1? Now, I still don't think he's LB1 overall, but he's definitely an LB1. Uh, I think I'd have to look back. I think I had him somewhere towards the middle of LB1 tier. I want to say 6 through 10, somewhere in there. But I've after what he's done this season, I have moved him up. I think he's in the top five right now at least, and I think probably top three. Um Overall, he may be the best with the tackles for loss and all that stuff. Um, For me, the main tackle man is Blake Martinez. I I think he's just in that defense to where it's going to be a high-producing system for him because they don't have anything on offense right now a whole lot, you know, with um, Daniel Jones turning the ball over all the time and you've got Saquon out. They're just going to be on the de- on the field a lot, excuse me. Uh, and right now he is just eating up tackle after tackle. Uh, Roquan, he's got some good players in front of him with Khalil Mack and Keen Nix and all those. So he's got some good players, but he is leading the way. He is setting the example. Um, I think he's definitely in the top three right now. Um and, and making his case. I mean, if he continues to do this, then why not make him the LB1? Uh, so we'll see. I mean, he's got 10 games left on the season. We'll see how he does. Uh, but, yeah, if you can get him, I'm, I'm, I'm buying him everywhere that I can and probably going to have to overpay to do it, and I'm okay with that, with the way he's playing. So uh, uh, we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's that was a good question. I, I want to think it was our buddy uh, Trip that, asked that somewhere in one of the chats or on Twitter or something. And 
that's a that's a legitimate question and it's one worth a legitimate answer and i think right now you just need to watch and see that's what i'm doing um like i said he continues to play this way then definitely he's in the conversation no matter who you like or or what they're doing he's in the conversation and that's where you want to be um looking at tackles again uh we mentioned roquan blake martinez we mentioned he's just a tackle machine three years in a row he's been over 140 plus tackles currently on pace for 162. I mean, he's just a human garbage disposal when it comes to swallowing up running backs and stuff. So hard to beat him there. At number three combined tackles is Zach Cunningham, someone who I was high on at the beginning of the year. I mean, he's sitting right behind Martinez and Smith at at 92 tackles. So he's just four behind them. Um, And he's kind of been what Martinez is, you know. He's had to do – everything down there for Houston because Watt's getting old and, you know, he just has to make the plays over the, over the middle of the field, swallowing up runner, runners, the receivers and all that. So um, glad to see that I, I thought that this would be the case this year. I thought he would be a high tackle guy. Uh, I think this is what his third or fourth season. Uh, so I kind of expected this. That's why I, I had him rated really high, and I took a lot of grief for that because I had him in my top five preseason. And I'm like, he's going to be a top five linebacker if you're looking at tackles and stuff. And right now he's making me look pretty good. So, um, But, yeah, like that, at number four we have Jalen Smith of the Cowboys at 89. Kind of surprised that he's that high, but then again, when I think about it, I'm not because they were, at, were without LVE for a little while. Um that defense just kind of hasn't performed at times have just, you know, they've just kind of been awful. So it's kind of not surprising to see him up there with the tackles. I'm just not a big Jalen Smith guy. Um, I didn't have him in my preseason top five. I think he was more down into the 16 range. Um, not that he's not a good player. He is. I just didn't think he was a great overall player. And then having LVE there with him and then, I know, Sean Lee, you know, if, you, if you're if you having Sean Lee as your third linebacker, I think that's really good. Um, so I thought, you know, he, he could be that. But with LVE out and then Lee was out again, so it was kind of left on him. I just don't think that um, Smith is the overall player such as a Roquan Smith or – um, you know, even Cunningham, you know, and then uh, if you and some of the others, you know, like my next guy on here, um, Devin White, love him. I think he's a great all around player. Levante David is a good one. Um, uh, Devin Bush before he got hurt. So there's a lot of, I think, better overall players or overall linebackers, excuse me. So that's kind of why I push him down a little bit, but. Getting back to this, Devin White is number five with 88 tackles. I just think the sky's the limit for him. Um, I don't think he's even tapped into what he can be, and he's learning from one of the best and teammate Levante David. Um, Just that defense in Tampa is really good, especially if they can keep it together on the back end because they have some good pieces. You know, the linebackers with David and and, uh, White are – or go-getters, and then you're going to have Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul. You've got Ndamukong Sue. Uh, 
you know, you've got Jamal Dean out on the corner, and then you've got uh, Winfield back there, the rookie, the super rookie back there. You know, if they could gel together and this offense can get their act together a little bit and become more consistent, this team is scary, scary good what they could be capable of. Um, quickly, let's see. Eric Kendricks has been a surprise. He's sixth in the NFL in tackles at 87. Uh, he's tied with Bobby Wagner, who we all expect to be up there every year in tackles. Um, and I think as long as Bobby can stay healthy and go out there, he's always going to be up there. Um, you know, he's been in the league for quite a while now and produced at the high level the whole time. And I see that continuing probably for another two or three years at best for him before we really see a decline. Uh, but like I said, as long as he's healthy and he's out there, uh, he'll be among the league leaders. Eric Kendricks, that just kind of surprises me that that he's out there at number tied for number six in tackles. Um, he has been a big piece for Minnesota. He's currently injured right now, questionable with an upper body injury. So we'll have to see how that goes. But, man, he has had – one heck of a season um, so far for the Vikings. You know, they've played, uh, let's see, nine games. And in six of those games, he has had 10 or more tackles. And he's had six out of seven to begin the season. The last two weeks, he didn't reach 10 tackles, but six of his first seven weeks, he had 10 or more tackles. And the one season he, or the one week he didn't, he had eight. Um, he's just been a tackling machine, playing every rep, 100% of the snaps until last week, every game. Um, it would be scary to see where Minnesota would be without him because I think he's, even though their record's not that great right now, without him I think it could be a lot worse. But he's been something else. I uh, hope he can get that injury cleared up and, and get back on the field because he's been a big surprise for fantasy managers this season, especially us IDP owners. Continuing down the list, trying to get carried away here. Jordan Poyer is our first non-linebacker on the list. The Buffalo safety is eighth with 83 tackles, and what a season he is having. He is doing it all, making tackles, forcing fumbles, uh, getting interceptions, recovering fumbles, even a couple sacks. He is a Swiss Army knife all over the field, and it's being reflected in his numbers. And uh, man, he's a special player. And if you get those, if you're in those leagues with a special scoring, you know, some leagues have special scoring just for safeties. You know, it's a little different from everybody else. Uh, some of them in your standard leagues, he's still a top scorer because he's getting so many big plays and so many tackles. It's just hard. You know, we we talk about um, Roquan being LB1. Is Jordan Poyer safety one right now? It's hard to argue. It's hard to argue. He's the only safety in the top ten right now in tackles. And then when you look at what everything else that he is doing for Buffalo, it's it's just amazing what he's doing. Um, he's He's already having a career season. Um, 83 tackles, 63 solos, um, four for a loss, two sacks, two interceptions, 
four pass deflections, forced fumbles. So he is doing everything possible to help lead this team. And I think he's having the best season of his career by far. I mean, last year we thought was his best season, 107 tackles. He's got 83 through 10 games, so he's going to blow that away barring an injury or something. So, um, But I think overall you got to – you got to put him in the discussion for top safety. I mean, you know, Collins can't stay healthy. Uh, Neil can't stay healthy. You know, although he's doing good this year, Derwin James is out. You know, everyone still looks at Jamal Adams as the safety one, and rightfully so. But I think Poyer deserves to be in the conversation. Adams is still my number one safety, uh, but I think Poyer is playing well enough, doing well enough that he deserves to be at least considered. He deserves to be put in that conversation. And when you have those type of seasons, uh, it just amplifies what you've done in the past. You know, he's had some good seasons in the past, but now it seems like he's putting everything together and he's carrying that team. So um, really like that. I have him in quite a few leagues. So really like to see that. Rounding out our top 10, Shaq Thompson's ninth with 80 tackles. Um, he just keeps on plugging away. You know, Kukley's gone, so he's picked up the slack. He's getting all the tackles down there uh, for the Panthers. Uh, and then Fred Warner is number 10 with 79 tackles. Uh, he's leading the way for San Francisco, who's just been decimated by injuries. Um, so he's been one of the, the few that hasn't been hurt, knock on wood yet, but he's been carrying that defense and, and racking up. Um, looking at some other stuff here, we'll jump to sacks because that's a big one that everybody likes to uh, talk about. Um, sacks are a little hard as far as scoring, as far as determining a player's value because you want to know your scoring thoroughly. Does your league scoring um, trend more towards tackles? Meaning, do do tackles score more? Is your primary scoring option is that what it is, or does sacks score comparably? You know, some leagues sacks interceptions they score a lot more because they get less of them. If you can get, I don't know, let's say. I don't know, let's say Miles um, Garrett, who is currently leading the NFL with nine and a half sacks, let's say his scoring is equal or compared to Blake Martinez and Roquan Smith, who are leading the NFL in tackles. That makes a big difference. If he's scoring more than them, then that means it's a sack-heavy <laughs> sack scoring league. And if it's scoring less, then, of course, tackles score more. Um but even still, you, you still kind of have to look at it. Miles Garrett is the cream of the crop right now at nine and a half sacks. Um, you know, this time last year, he was suspended for the helmet swinging thing. Uh, missed all of it. And what's funny is I tried to give him away. Literally tried to give Miles Garrett away in a few weeks. Um, I, I started kind of high. You know, I'll take a first scoring or whatever, or I'll take so-and-so good player in a – second, but, you know, 
I tried. Nobody would bite. Nobody would bite. And I even dropped it down. I was like, you know what? I'll take a second and so-and-so, or I'll take a third if you give me this really good player here. Still no takers. And here we are a year later, and those same people that were turning some of my offers down or trying to lowball me, they're coming back expecting me to give them give them Garrett for nothing, and it just isn't going to happen. Uh, you missed your window. Uh, you had your chance to get him at a deal, and you didn't, and – now I'm reaping the reward still because he still, he didn't cost me nothing. So, um, but there he's costing you because you didn't want to pony up. And sometimes you just have to for a stud. You know, every I'm rambling here. Sorry. Um, you know, people say don't overpay for players, and then I hear some people. Well, if it's your guy, go get him. Especially at draft time, if it's your guy, you go get him. You take him however high you want. Um, kind of feel that way in in trades too every player is valued differently by fantasy managers sure we may all agree that miles garrett is the number one defensive end but if you're sitting for example if you're sitting over there with a nick bosa and a daniel hunter yeah miles garrett's a little more important to you because both of your guys are out hurt but at the same time, you're not going to give up the farm just because those two are hurt to get him because they're going to come back. Now, if you're on a team that has, uh, I don't know, a Vic Beasley and and Joe Blow out of the seventh round and you need a defensive end, yeah, you're going to have to pay up for Miles Garrett. It's just the facts. You know, nobody's going to give him away for free. So, and sometimes, you know, when you're in that type of position, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and say, you know what, that's a game-changing piece that I can build my team around. Let's do it. Uh, but not everybody sees that way. I, a lot of times in trades, I get frustrated with trades because I think too many times people think, well, what's he trying to pull over on me? Or what can I get over on him? Or just what much more can I squeeze? And it's not always about that. Um Sure, every owner wants to win every trade and come out looking like a king, but at the end of the day, that's not good business for a number of reasons. Um, maybe for you, but it's not good when you want to get other trade partners because if you do continue to just blow people away, it's going to be hard to find trade partners. Uh, if you're always just trying to squeeze that last one, last a little bit out of a player, it becomes uh, – a chore as well. You know, if it's a fair trade for both teams, both owners are happy. Hey, why not? You know, if you have to give up a little bit more for Miles Garrett to get him on your team, why not? Who cares what uh, your buddy Steve over here thinks or, or what your buddy uh, Eric over here thinks or, you know, some uh, Twitter analysts like myself – don't worry about what we're thinking. Do what you think is right for your team. If you overpay, you overpay. It happens. Um, but you're never going to know if you don't try. So I think pieces like that, you just have to look at and go do it. Sorry, rambled a little bit here. Got off on a rant, but whatever. Um, Aaron Donald's second. Well, Aaron Donald and TJ Watt are tied for second at nine sacks. What is – or what? Donald is way more valuable to me than Watt. 
because you can play Donald at defensive tackle, and those premiums for that position are huge. Um, so that's that makes his value so much more and probably makes him more valuable than Garrett right now just because of that if you can play him at defensive tackle. Um, here's one, number four. Man, this dude is having a season. I've mentioned, mentioned him in my uh, – IDP stock markets and my IDP nuggets. Emmanuel Ogba for Miami has just been a bulldozer all season long. He, I think he's had at least a half a second every single game. He's sitting at eight on the season, a new career high. Um, he had had five and a half on two different occasions before, and he's just here we are halfway through the season or a little past halfway, and he's already got eight. So he has been a blessing down there in Miami. He's been everything they could hope for. Uh, and he's really turning the corner as one of the league's better pass rushers. And with that blind, Brian Flores defense, I think he's only going to get better. Um, I know he's got a lot of older guys with Van Noy and, and stuff like that behind him. But once they get a little bit of youth behind him and alongside of him, uh, like a Raekwon Davis, by the way, uh, once they get a few players that are so talented like that, once they can get them in that system and caught up, I think – We've not even seen the best from my manual all the way yet. Um, so now's the time to buy him while he's kind of still cheap. Uh, this is Darius Smith for Green Bay is at eight as as well. Um, kind of doing the same thing he did last year. Uh, Preston Smith is the one that's fell off, but uh, Darius keeps doing his thing. Uh, one of the better free agent signings for Green Bay. Another surprise name, Ted Henderson for New Orleans. You know, they have uh, – uh, Hayward over there, their stud. Um, they were hoping that Marcus Davenport would be that guy, and he's just not panned out yet. The injuries have kept him off the field. He's come back now, but Hendrickson's leading, leading the way there. Seven and a half sacks for the Saints. He has been playing lots out for them. Huge, huge for their defense. And, uh, you know, they just got Quan the other day. Uh, that's another one. They, they were – Acquired Quan Alexander from the 49ers. So um, that's going to help their defense with Demario Davis and some of those guys. So really like Hendrickson. Um, I think he makes Marcus Davenport a little obsolete, in my opinion. Uh, when you've got somebody playing that hot, you're not going to pull them out. You know, if they're producing at a high level, putting up big numbers, you're not just going to jerk them out and putting somebody who's, let's face it, has been anything but promising since he's entered the league. He's had some flashes, but with the injuries and the missed time and all this, it's just not – he's not lived up to the hype or expectations of fantasy manager, managers and especially those of the Saints organization. So I like Hendrickson. Jason Pierre-Paul, JPP, um, seven and a half sacks. He always seems to be there, even with a half a hand. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's just – he knows how to rush the passer. He always has since his days in New York with the Giants. And it's carried on here to Tampa Bay now. Sorry. I'm used to somebody being on with me so I can catch a break and get my whistle wet. But uh, Dan's, uh, I'm having to pick up the slack for Dan as usual. See, y'all guys just don't know. I have to carry him routinely. He just hides it all the time. Now you're getting to see. Uh, 
And then Bud Dupree, Leonard Floyd, and Brandon Graham all have seven sacks as they round out the eight, nine, and ten. Floyd's kind of interesting at seven. I think he was kind of uh, the Clay Matthews, the kind of um, oh, who was the other pass rusher they had? Oh, slipping my brain before Matthews. But anyway, he's kind of that. He is not kind of. He is that secondary pass rusher behind Donald, which is to be expected because if you've got a an elite stud like Donald, who's attracting all the attention, you want somebody to be that secondary guy. You want somebody to step up to the plate and fill that role and say, hey, okay, you're going to block our best player. That singles me up. Let's see what you got. And that doesn't always happen for every team for whatever reason, but it is right now for the Rams. They have Donald and they have Floyd, so that's 16 sacks between the two of them. That's really huge. Um, same thing with Pittsburgh. You know, they've got T.J. or Yeah, T.J. Watt with nine. And Bud Dupree with seven, so 16. So it's a little bit similar, except that Watt is an outside edge guy, as Dan likes to call it, that outside linebacker, where Donald's more of an interior guy, defensive end. Uh, and then let's see, where do we want to go here? Let's look at let's look at interceptions um, and see what we've got here. I have to excuse me, my computer's a little slow. Um, yeah, J.C. Jackson leads the NFL with six interceptions, and you're saying who? Yes, J.C. Jackson, corner for New England. Um, you know, everybody thinks of uh, Stephon Gilmore up there, Martin, Malcolm Butler when he played there, uh, but now and Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty, but it's J.C. Jackson with six interceptions. Uh, he's been playing really well for them. Um, we'll see if he can keep it up. You know, do teams start to go away from him? Uh, that's, you know, that's kind of how that works. Xavier Howard, what a rebound season for him. Five interceptions. He's second in the NFL just behind Jackson with five. So, you know, there was a lot of problems for him his first few years when he came out, and then he just kind of mm, slowed down or disappeared a little bit. And he's rebounded now that he's found a new home in Miami. Uh, Carlton Davis, Kendall Fuller, and Darius Williams, all with four. I love me some Carlton Davis, I'll just tell you. Um, I like those two corners in Tampa. Davis is the more physical. Uh, he's more physical, has the better hands, which – is proven by the four interceptions. But I also like Jamal Dean because he just has a knack for being around the ball and always getting his hand in there, getting those pass deflections. Um, so I like that. Kendall Fuller's played well for uh, Washington. Darius Williams has played well for the Rams. James Bradbury, over to the Giants now, has three interceptions. Um, that's, you know, that's been key for them. And, and another one I'm just now remembering is I wish they had been more prepared, but Logan Ryan, you know, played so well for the Titans. And by the way, here I go on another rant. By the way, they didn't want to resign Ryan. They wanted to let him test free agency. I get it. You don't want to pay him the 10 million, 12 million, whatever he was asking. Apparently, nobody else did either in free agency. So he just hung out there for a little while. 
you see the troubles Tennessee's had with him not being there because had he be there, had he, excuse me, had he still be on the team, this wouldn't be happening because he would he covered up a lot of mistakes for the Titans last year. New York finally signs him, and look what he's doing for them. He has just been that jack-of-all-trades player, just like he was for New England, just like he was for Tennessee. Now he's doing it for the Giants. Excellent fit there. Um, I actually hope he, he gets to finish his career there because I think he's a great fit there for what that defense wants. And if they can put some pieces around him, he is going to be uh, a top corner for as long as he wants to play. I mean, he can do it all. Um, sorry, got off of a rant. But <laughs> um, Bradbury has three. Pierre Desir, I mentioned him earlier. The Jets cut him. He's tied for sixth in the NFL in interceptions. It's hard for me to believe somebody somewhere is not going to pick him up probably pretty soon and maybe half today while I've been uh, doing the show. Um, but if not, I mean, they're going to take a chance on it. You can never have too many corners. You can never have enough help in the secondary. I mean, even Tennessee would be wise to take a look at him. They need help in that secondary. Um, that's why they traded for Desmond King. Um, but they needed more help in that. So, uh, you know, anytime a player like that gets cut, it's, it, there's two questions you got to ask. One, if he's leading – or not leading the league, but if he's among the league leaders in interceptions and he's playing so well or d doing this, why did you cut him? Why did you release him? Second question is, can he help our team? And naturally, that's a natural question. Um, and I think there's a lot of teams out there – He's going to help them. I mean, we like I said, Tennessee, they've gotten burnt. There's been some other ones that's gotten burnt uh, this season. you got to have that help in the secondary. Jeff Heath has three. Dante Jackson has three. He was playing really well the other day. A nice, good young corner for Carolina. I think he got hurt. I don't know if he returned. Um, Patrick Peterson, the veteran with three. Justin Simmons, the veteran with three. And then Marcus Peters with three. I always talk about it or get hated on for talking about corners because most people stream them. We get it. Fantasy managers like to stream them. Just ask uh, Johnny the Greek. He can, he can tell you what running or cornerbacks to go after and pick up uh, and who to stream and who not to. But there is the occasional corner where they're just playing so good that they, you have to have him on your roster, and that's Marcus Peters. Sure, he's a little aggressive, over you know a little too aggressive, gets beat, uh, gives up the big play a lot. But you go back and look, he gets the interceptions, he gets the pass deflections, and not only that, he is among the top three, if not the leader, in interception return yards. So if he gets his hands on it, to the house. It, you know, he's getting forced fumbles. He's getting fumble recoveries. He has that home run hitting ability to score from anywhere on the field on any kind of turnover. And I've picked him up in on how many leagues just sitting there on waivers. Is there maybe a better streaming option week to week? 
possibly. But I don't like to swap every single week. That becomes a chore to me. I don't like doing that. Now, it may be a winning chore or a winning tactic, but I don't like playing that game. Okay, who am I taking this week? What am I doing? Oh, I'll just take Marcus Spears because I know odds are he'll get his hand on a pass, pick up a fumble, something. And when he does, there's a good chance he can return it for a touchdown. I will take that upside over strain. Now, it's not that way for every player, but I do like that. Kind of uh, same with a uh, Desmond King or a Mike Hilton because they're getting so many – Logan Ryan, they're getting so many opportunities to blitz from the slot. They're picking up these sacks where most corners don't. They're just out there on the island or out there in coverage, and their main job is to not allow the receiver catch the ball, make the tackle, bat the pass away. And, and, I mean, that's your main function anyway, but anytime you can add that extra where you can get sacks or you can return these plays for big big yards and big points, that's what I'm looking for. Um, phew, it's a lot of talk. No wonder Dan likes to talk. Maybe he just likes to hear himself talk. I don't know. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I think we've covered a lot. I wanted to uh, get into our listener leagues, but I think I will save that for the Patreon that I plan on doing here in a little bit. Uh, we want to apologize to you folks, too, for our absence, but uh, we'll get some stuff out there. Um, for those of you that have stayed with us and joined us in our absence we thank you. Uh, it wasn't planned. It just kind of popped up on us with Dan doing all the virtual teaching for his uh, school and some extra work that he's having to do. It's been a lot for him. So I get it with the sitting, looking at a screen for three quarters of your day. It gets old. You want to get up. You want to move around, spend time with your family. Uh, and I'm sure he's just kind of a little bit burnt out a little bit and needed a break. So it's no biggie. Um, I want to apologize because I intended to pick up right where he left off, uh, had some technical issues. And then I also had a couple of work related issues where I just couldn't record or could, didn't get the time to, to jump in and do this. But um, we thank you. I mean, we appreciate all of our listeners uh, on our regular show and our uh, Patreon uh, we value each one of you. If you have questions, you know, send them to us. We're always glad to help. Um, you know, if you've got any ideas of stuff that you want us to discuss, uh, certain topics you want us to talk about, hit us up in DMs. Uh, we're a little bit of everywhere. Um, we're no hard to find, but we do appreciate you, and we do uh, apologize for the break. Um, I did have a couple other things. Um, I was hoping I'd written these down for when Dan was here, but um, a couple of trades. Team A traded away linebacker Jamie Collins and safety Adrian Phillips, and in return got Devin Bush. Uh, for me, I'm taking the Devin Bush side. I mean, I can see why Team B probably traded. He probably doesn't have anybody else at linebacker. Uh, probably needed safety help, so he's getting Collins a a decent linebacker fill-in, and then you're getting Phillips, 
a decent safety. So you're kind of kind of killing two birds with one stone type thing. But overall, I would I would rather have Devin Bush uh, when healthy. He's better than both of those combined. A lot younger. Um, so yeah, for me, it's definitely Devin Bush. Then the other trade was um, Team A traded defensive tackle Jerron Reed and a 2021 fifth to Team B, who traded away Kyle Van Noy, Eric, Howard, Eric Harris, and a 2021 third. Not sure if this is a D tackle premium. I do believe it was. Um, which is kind of rough because if you're in a D-tackle premium league and you're giving up Jerron Reed, those sacks are those sacks are probably uh, worth some points. The, the 2021 fifth, I'm, I'm not crazy about that. Um, you're not giving up much there. You're getting back Calvin Noy, so you probably needed a linebacker. You're getting Eric Harris, so you're probably needing his safety. Um, I think the big piece here is you're getting back the 2021 third. I think Jerron Reed's worth a 2021 third, so I can see it. Um, and you're you're giving up a fifth for Van Noy and Harris. So I think when you break it down and look at it a little closer, I think the trade makes more sense. Uh, a lot of times in these trades, like with this one, Jerron Reed, that's a big flash name, and it kind of throws somebody off. You know, they're like, oh, you gave up way too much, but – how many of us would trade Jerron Reed for a 2021 third? I would. Right now, I would. Because um, I think I can get help at defensive tackle to to cover up that loss. Um, so if you're giving up Reed for a third, then you break it down, you're, getting, you're giving up a fifth for Van Noy and Harris. Okay, that's a depending on the size of your league, a mid to late round draft pick probably a late most leagues because I think they usually run to seven, something like that. So you're getting a mid to late round pick and you're getting back the and Harris. The noise played pretty well for Miami. Harris has played well for the Raiders. Uh, so for a fifth round pick that you're getting two capable starters, not every week starters, but they're going to fill in for you on bye weeks. Uh, they're going to fill in for you on injuries, uh, and then they're going to have their occasional games where they're playing really well, so I like it. Uh, I'll take the Team B side of the Noy, Harris, and the third. Um, and then, oh, got one more. And then uh, Team A trades a 2021 third and a 2021 seventh to Team B for Waycron Davis and Avery Williamson, and this was before – the Jets traded him away, I want to mind you. Um, I think I would rather have the picks. You know, the 21-3rd and the 21-7th. Um, Raekwon's going to be a good piece, especially down there with Ogba. Uh, once he gets another season or two with Christian Wilkins, that defensive line is going to be scary good down there if they can keep them all. Uh, Williamson, I'm, I'm a little worried. Not about how he plays, but where he's at and how he's being used. I want to see Pittsburgh put him in there as a starter. Now, if he becomes a starter, yeah, I like this side. But as a backup, eh, 
I mean, at the time, he didn't know it. Like I said, this was before the trade of Williamson to Pittsburgh. You got to think you're getting a a possible LB1 because at that time, he was probably thinking, okay, I can get Avery Williamson. Uh, He's going to be a LB2 guy, which is going to be pretty good points. You're getting an up-and-coming rookie in uh, Raekwon Davis, and you're giving up a third and seventh. Eh, a little bit much on the third, but you're giving up a seventh. So at the time, I could kind of see it because you're getting a, a starting quality uh, linebacker. But now we're, what, two or three weeks after this, Williamson's not a starter no more. You know, he, or at least not yet. He's, he's a backup for Pittsburgh. Davis is a rotational player that's playing more and more for Miami. I think uh, – at the time, I think you make the trade because you're getting a starting linebacker. Looking back on it, it kind of bit you because now he's not a starting linebacker and you gave up that third-round pick. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at on that. And on that note, uh, kind of jumbled through that, I know. Kind of ran it a little bit, I know. Uh, I'll be better prepared next week. Uh, got home kind of late, wanted to get this out. Uh, I know a lot of people have been asking where we've been and what we've been doing when we're coming back. So I wanted to get something out for you guys, kind of catch up on all the stuff that we've missed. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week. And if I can, if I've got the time to make it up to you all, I'll try to squeeze in another one this week, maybe towards the end of the week, like a uh, ooh, maybe Saturday I'll, I'll try to squeeze one in. I can't promise, but I'll try. Uh, definitely going to do the Patreon here in a little while for you guys. Um, not sure what I'm going to be talking about. Maybe I'll just make fun of Dan for half hour. You know, why not? He's not here to tell me I can't. So, uh, you know, he, he's not here to tell me. Daryl, be quiet. Daryl, watch your mouth. Daryl, don't do this. Daryl, people can see you. He's not here. I have to listen to no one. So, you know, I've been wanting to fire him for a long time. This is what life without Dan is like. Hmm. I just might be onto something here. <laughs> no. We miss you, Dan. Well, everybody but me. Uh, hurry back as soon as you can. I'm sure they want to hear you make fun of me. Me, not so much, but uh, that's enough of that. Um, hit me up with questions. You can always find me on Twitterverse at Hollywood Titan. You can find me on Reddit at King Titan One. Facebook page, any given Sunday page. There's there's three or four different Facebook pages. You can find me at the IDP guys. Writing, ranking, uh, NFL. Debbie, I've got a lot of stuff coming out. IDP Debbie, you guys need to check that out. Uh, rankings, articles, all kinds of goodies. Um, doing the stock market sit for NFL, the IDP Nuggets now. So we got a lot of stuff in the works. And if you're into IDP Debbie, be sure to check out the Debbie IDP grind uh, with my buddy Eric Harris and Dan, of course. Dan's on hiatus again for that one as well. So um, be sure to check us out. Spread the word. Tell everybody how good we are. Tell her how we're tell them how new and improved we are without Dan. That's the key without Dan. And uh, 
we hope you enjoy it. And uh, we'll see you next week. Later.